0: Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, a very warm welcome to you, and thank you for tuning in to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks, I'm a retail transformation specialist and I work with retailers to define their ideal operating model and deliver the change roadmap and complex changes that go into making that operating model a reality, driving growth, driving cost savings, driving an improved consumer experience. Thanks so much for tuning in today, this one is episode 208 number 208. And today we welcome back a very good friend of the Retail Transformation Show, Mr. Simon Heddo from Rethink Productivity. Simon and I were on stage for our collaboration, the inaugural Productivity and Transformation event just a few weeks ago now. And today we're reflecting on that event as well. So I'm keen to dive straight on into this one Remember to head over to the show notes at obandco.uk208 and, in particular, sign up for the retail transformation briefing whilst you're over there to make sure that you get my email newsletter, which comes out every single week with the key headlines from around the evolving world of retail new trials, new insights, new ideas all with the aim of keeping your finger firmly on the pulse of the market and inspire you to change and drive positive transformation. Sign up for free, like I say, obandco.uk slash 208. And without further ado, here's today's conversation. Well, hello
1: once again, Simon Heddo, how are you? Good, good to be speaking again. We've we've done a lot of these
0: this year and spent a lot of time speaking, haven't we? (laughs) Indeed we have, indeed we have. And I might just say, very enjoyable our conversations are as well. Particularly, of course, at Productivity and Transformation. Who could forget our event just last month? Already time is flying by. Wasn't it great, Simon?
1: It does. It feels like it was yesterday. It also feels like it was a, a lifetime ago great to see so many familiar faces, meet some new new friends and acquaintances, deal with a power cut for those that have been following on
0: social media. <laughs> yeah, amazing. <laughs> well, and today here on the Retail Transformation Show, we're going to be diving into a number of different topics inspired by that day. We've done both a review of the event itself, but today we're going to be covering new ground. So stay tuned. Let's jump in, Ollie. And I think the, the
1: big thing that struck me. The theme, and and not something we discussed before about the whole event and the feedback, was that whole spirit of connection. Did you, did you get that? I got it in the feedback forms and on the day, we're all in this together, a bit of that kind of bunker
0: mentality. Absolutely. Well, firstly, events still feel quite fresh and new for people, which, you know, having been to a few myself, I was still relatively surprised at, but it, you know, it continues to be great to get together. There is that excitement, that natural energy of... Networking and you know we provided quite a bit of time in the agenda to allow people to connect, have a conversation, and people loved it. Of course, Ian Shepherd did our closing keynote, and the spirit of connection was, I suppose, his punchline, his ultimate takeaway from that close. And that was a fantastic session. So, massive thank you to Ian for that. But I I think it is important that we are in this together. Many of the same challenges are experienced by lots of different companies. Of course, there are lots of different intricacies within each of those individual companies, but the same themes resonated, which I think is fascinating. And to me, if we're experiencing the same themes, we absolutely should continue to talk, continue to connect, not just at the event, but but elsewhere. I think it's very easy to lock yourself in a proverbial cupboard. And not talk to anyone think that the world is is at your door perhaps but actually you know everyone else is feeling exactly the same way yeah i suppose it surprised
1: me and again probably back to more of your point we were we're getting back to events in person aren't we but that whole piece of light bulbs coming on for people thinking actually everybody's got roughly the same challenges here maybe power of communication helps us solve some of those in sharing across industries but also probably maybe a bit more disappointingly, there's no magic answer for different organizations. It's a combination of
0: different things that are going to help them get Mm, through it. Absolutely. Now, Simon, at the event, we had a full day packed of content, but perhaps predictably, there were many things that we just didn't have time to explore. And actually, there were many great topics that almost took a, a passing glance in some of the panel discussions or fireside chats and so on, that we could have dived deep in and perhaps had a whole other hours worth of conversation just about those topics. So we wanted to dive into some of those today, right now. The first was around new labour models. So this is in reflection to one of the comments on a panel where a retailer had reset the rules of engagement over COVID. They'd redesigned and launched a new labour model. Simon, why is this Something really interesting to, to talk about.
1: So I think it's interesting because we've seen a, a number of different ways people have used or not used their labour models, I suppose, during the, the time of COVID. And then some people really keen, as was talked about on the day, to update them. You can't argue that the way we work today is different than pre-COVID things have changed, things have evolved. Some of that is because of COVID, some of that isn't. You just have to look at a supermarket now and there's much less man checkout space, Mm. lots more self-scan, self-pay, self-checkout. The way we maybe replenish stock has just started to migrate more and more towards shelf-ready packaging. And you've then got all the environmental impacts of the biodegradable packaging and planet-friendly packaging, which means things are different sizes, different shapes. So that that may be not a COVIDism, but it's just part of the natural evolution. And again, go around your supermarket, your butcher's counter's probably not there, maybe the baker's there, your deli counter might be slightly differently, maybe more space given over to different things. So the proposition's changed, the way we shop's changed, clearly there was that whole online rise, which has now plateaued off. So is any good practice, you should be maintaining that labour model and updating it. And it, as you said, Ollie, some people have rebased the whole thing, some have just rebased some principles, but... If you've not given your model an MOT, it should be something <laughs> you should be thinking about. And and not just because of COVID, it should be something that happens, you know, once a year, once every six months, you need to look. Because if that labour model's drifting from reality, then guess what? Whatever operation you run is going to be tricky for the colleagues to deliver the
0: strategic intent that you're looking to do via it. Yeah, absolutely. So as you say, the world is continually evolving, not just COVID, but things like, you know, the shift to online, depending on what segment you're in, of course, what sector. And, you know, if, if you let your labor model, your productivity model, your resourcing plan, whatever it is that you are calling it in your organization, that whole workforce management plan, shall we say, if that is out of date, being able to deliver the operating model and the customer experience that you are trying to do, and all of your colleagues in stores, in warehouses, wherever, what they're trying to do as well, it's just going to become impossible. So I think exploring a new or certainly bang up-to-date labor model, productivity model, whatever it is that you call it, like I say, is absolutely a, a great idea and will help actually identify a number of different opportunities as well as you realize what the actual operation looks like and where essentially the labor costs are being spent.: I
1: the only thing I'd add to that, Oliver, is with the current climate, and I know we'll touch on that maybe a bit later. If you're making big strategic business decisions around increasing labor, reducing labor, changing roles, removing roles, adding roles in, you want to do it off a solid foundation, not something that's two, three, four years old, because (laughs) you're changing people's jobs and lives for some of these decisions. So you need to be confident that you're making it based on solid up-to-date data so that that's
0: fair for the colleagues and also fair for your customers. That's an extremely good point, Simon. Thank you very much for adding that in. The next item, which we, again, we touched on, but didn't really have time to explore was around change capacity. And this this is really important. There's loads of change going on right at the moment. And as I was mentioning in the, the previous episode of the Retail Transformation Show, actually, if you over-exceed the amount of change that you are doing right now, you end up in overwhelm and you end up in all sorts of challenge because there's just just too much going on. People's heads are full at the best of times and you're adding even more in there. What, what are your thoughts on change capacity, Simon?
1: I think it's a fact of modern life that things, and I always kind of like to use evolution versus revolution. I, I don't think we have much revolution anymore. I just think we evolve and, and, and certainly in a retail hospitality world, we evolve quicker. So there's, there's more constant change happening. I think you're absolutely right. There comes a point when, if you take into account lots of the external factors that are happening, so low unemployment, so high, high turnover in lots of organizations as people can get better paid jobs or more security of hours per week, change is tricky to land. And the more change you do, even more tricky to land because the people you're training today, probably 50, 60, 70% of those aren't here in a year. Mm. So, simplifying that change, simplifying the training, and reducing the volume potentially will help it land better. Otherwise, you're probably in a constant world of retraining, retraining, retraining that just becomes cyclical because we've got 70% of people that weren't here 12 months ago and yes, that's all they've ever known, but somebody's still got to show them how to use the equipment or follow the process or
0: the journey, whatever it might be. Yeah, absolutely. Should we move on to the next item Simon? We've got we've got loads yep. to get through. So the next one is one that really made me smile actually and that is the concept of a slam dunk. So this was used with regard to really making sure that you're getting the best bang for your buck on the project, making sure that you are choosing the change initiatives, the improvements that as the name suggests are slam dunks. And I think, you know, let's just think about a you know, basketball slam dunk here. Because I think it's actually a great term because, it, you know, what's a basketball slam dunk? Well, firstly, it's pretty predictable because you are holding the ball all the way through to the end. You are going to make sure that the score goes on the board by plunging that through the hoop. It's also, it's gradually upping the score, a slam dunk. So in basketball, it's worth a couple of points. You're not going for the glory. You're not going for the long distance shot that is worth more points. But you're saying, you know what, in a slam dunk, I want to make sure... I want to put the put the points on the board, like I say, in a predictable way, in a gradual way that allows us to continue to keep up the momentum, which is certainly something I was speaking about on the day as well. So I think this slam dunk mentality, as we go into this period of continued uncertainty, continued financial challenge and turmoil, slam dunks has to become something that we do just as standard, frankly. I th- still think it's worthwhile going for the occasional... Three pointer from uh, from from distance, but you've got to make sure that you are gradually upping the score. You can't just sit there and lob the lob the ball and hope for the best, right? What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. You
1: know, a three pointer is the glory shot, isn't it? It goes in second before the buzzer <laughs> goes, and you're the hero because <laughs> you won the game. But probability wise, what you're going to hit five out of ten. So, are you prepared to fail fifty percent of the time and win fifty percent of the time? And it's risk, isn't it? So. That risk probably comes at a cost individually, company-wise, and that cost can be career status, it can be financial, it can be impact on colleagues and, and customers. So there's a, a risk, is it calculated if you're going for three-pointers? I'd argue on a 50-50% ratio, maybe not. So that that slam dunk is the, it's the result, isn't it? It's a given, I'm going to navigate through the field, going to rise up put the ball in the in the hoop and I'm done so I, I know what I'm getting I think the, the challenge is where is the next slam dunk or the next two or three slam dunks that you can go for rather than reverting to the three mm. pointer
0: and you know in, in basketball you don't want to be going for the three pointer where you do have those seconds ticking down against the clock perhaps and you are going for the lob and by the way Simon you clearly haven't played basketball against me 50% Success rate. Oh, I'd, I'd, I I'd go quite, for like 1%. I thought that was quite good. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, need to get my practice in apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another great phrase which also made me smile on the day was that of the feeling of being on the hamster wheel. Simon, why did this phrase resonate for you?
1: Again, it came out of the day really that the opportunity was for people to get out the office. You know, we asked people to be present in the room and... If they needed to take a business call, fine, that, that's just part of the world. But when you're in the room, be there. Don't be checking Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or whatever. Again, I think it was maybe the first, second, third time for a lot of people they'd been at the office for a while or out of home working if they'd not been in the office in that hybrid scenario. And it was an opportunity for people to look around. We've talked about kind of resonating with other people about the spirit of connection and everybody being in the same place. Because otherwise, you get sucked into turn on your laptop do your meetings do your emails turn off your laptop check your phone come back the next day turn on your laptop do your meetings do your email turn off your phone and it it can be very very cyclical Mm. yeah you're dealing with different people in different conversations but actually the rhythm the rhythm is the same every day and we need to try and break break some of that don't we We need to get back to habits of visiting stores and being with different groups of people being in different parts of the country because that's where you get the
0: energy and the the ideas, rather than just being in the routine. Yeah, no, absolutely. For for me, it was really interesting because actually, again, if you take the literal sense of being a hamster on a wheel, right? What what does that mean? It means you're you're running at pace, but you're kind of not going anywhere. It's a never ending loop that you can just keep going. But it's also difficult to stop. Certainly, if you're not slowing down, if you're going to try and dismount. You know, channeling my inner hamster here, if you're trying to dismantle speed, I imagine that, that might not be so pretty, so uh, so delicate. But as, as we think, you know, where, where are we right now? It's sort of mid-October. We're going into a really critical peak that is going to be tough trading. I don't think anyone is perhaps not leaning into that, but that tough trading condition is likely to continue into next year, which we'll come to in just a moment. But it is easy to, to sit on the hamster wheel, keep going, keep doing the same things, as you say. You know, we spoke about sitting in the proverbial cupboard a little earlier on. And actually, how can you inspire new thinking? How can you get out, talk outside of the four walls of your organisation, connect with others that have a good viewpoint of the rest of the industry, connect with others that can help you, for example. And I think that's a great mentality to go into rather than that never-ending not going anywhere feeling right, which which can be dangerous, particularly at the moment, like I say.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. And I think that kind of leads us into finding people, the right caliber of people, attitude, culture. Lots of talk on the day wasn't there around how difficult it is to attract and retain people. I don't know if you're still seeing that from all the people you're speaking to. A- absolutely.
0: Calibre is a really interesting point. Again, it raised up in the day, thinking about The skill sets, there are some key skill sets across all of the organization that are really required at the moment, particularly digital skills, for example, but also things like data and analytics skills, people leadership skills as well, by the way, loads of different things. But I think it's also important to think about the attitudes and the culture that we're wanting to build up as well. At the same time, it's not just about hard skills, but as we're going into periods of volatility, things like adaptability are going to be critically important to think, what is an adaptable person? What does that mean? And what do I look for if I am recruiting someone? How do I develop that within my team if I am looking to to, to build those adaptability skills? And then from a culture perspective, building a high caliber culture, what does that mean? We're, we're always talking about building successful cultures but i think it's worthwhile revisiting some of those conversations depending on wherever you've got to with those in your company within your team etc because it is changing and and that sort of adaptability flexibility whatever you want to call it is an important element how do you bring that into the culture as well as other aspects like digital familiarity data savviness etc are key to think about right now
1: yeah and i think it it's interesting as as we speak you'd hope that most of the people we work with or everybody who's got their planning place for peak prepped, ready to go, or, you know, stop coming in and all that kind of stuff. And more than ever this year, I've already seen lots of organizations saying that they're going to close on boxing day for the wellness of their colleagues. Mm. So it's clearly top of mind as well as customers that looking after colleagues through this period is critical to keep them to maintain that balance but also, again, you know, in the in the, the week that we are today, that people are pushing pay rises again. So they think some of the supermarkets have come out with a second pay rise this year, and other organisations. So it's clearly, clearly, as top of mind as health and safety, customer, and colleague than it than it's ever mm. been, uh, because of the situation that uh, we find ourselves in with the lowest number of vacant jobs for the last, I think, is it twenty twenty
0: five years? Yeah, absolutely. In particular having had the workforce changes through COVID, particularly a number of people deciding actually, you know what, I'm going to take early retirement and so on. We're in a tough place with regard to resourcing across the whole organisation, both from a number of people as well as a skill set and attitude perspective as well. But the cost of living crisis is just one of the big unknowns and big challenges facing retailers right now. What are some of the other unknowns that we need to Face into Simon right now. I think you've got
1: two kind of big looming ones on the horizon. There's a whole Russia-Ukraine thing, which plays out in it carries on for the next ten years and is in the background or something. Unfortunately, spectacular happens and and it's over and done. I have no opinion really on either w- which way mm. it will go, but we shall see. Time will tell us. Covid. So again, you know, lots of reports in the news about cases rising hospital beds being fuller, maybe different strains, not as much uptake on the, the boost of vaccination for potentially that, that for those that need it. On a much smaller scale, I think it would be really interesting to see how Black Friday pans out. Are people going to go early to get the cash in the bank at a lower margin? Yeah. Or actually, will they hold their nerve, see how the sales go, and maybe go early with the sale pre-Christmas? Or actually hold their nerve even more and go with potentially more stock, less margin after Christmas. And I think we'll see people do all sorts of different things. Talks about recruitment. And the other thing which seems to have dropped off the agenda slightly, and I may, that may be unfair to some organisations, is the whole cost of sustainability. Yeah. So, you know, we saw all those large organisations come out with their pledges for 2025 that kind of got pushed back to 2030. Electric fleets, packaging, materials, waste, all that kind of stuff. And I, I am sure there's lots of people working on it, so I don't want to do them a disservice. It's just from a headline point of view, drop down the headlines with all the other stuff going on. So that at some point will
0: come back, but all that comes at a cost, doesn't it? Absolutely. Just on that sort of that sustainability challenge, yes, there will be lots of people working on it, but if the board's attention is not focused on that, it's going to drop down the quite literal agenda of board meetings, etc. Down to almost you know the final agenda item, which might get pushed if we're running over, blah blah. But actually, it's important because without that focus from the top level, it's easier that the sponsorship can just evaporate away on something like sustainability. And you know, over the past few years, we've made such great inroads. It would be a real shame to let that dissipate and let let the good people of that are focused on sustainability. You know, either either get re-resourced into other sectors or other industries perhaps but also you know what's the cost on the world right the cost of not driving these through these sustainability things goodness what what does that what does that mean for the the world in 2050 i mean i know it feels like a long way off but we'll be there in no time at all i'm sure and yeah we can't let that one slip in my mind
1: no i agree and the more it slips the more costly it becomes financially and to the the environment doesn't it but I mean anecdote from me I was in where was I anyway doesn't matter I was somewhere let's say in the UK and we won't name the, the retailer but they'd obviously decided to change their opening hours and shorten the opening hours of the store but what they'd not done is correlated that with when the lights come on <laughs> and off the store, <laughs> store's closed, all the lights are still on, shiny bright. So you think, yes, you've saved some labor, but actually all the other costs are still happening because, you, you know, you're powering the tills, you're powering the lights, you're powering the displays, you're powering the menu boards. As a hint that it might have been a fast food-ish type retailer. So that was really interesting to me of there's a whole cycle of stuff you need to do when you're going to change your opening hours and that maybe that was a change because of customer habits maybe it was a change because of uh, staffing costs maybe it's a change because of footfall whatever but it's not as simple as just saying well we now close it at seven and we used to close at ten
0: yeah absolutely I personally had the image in my mind of all the customers sitting in the dark store. <laughs> yeah, go the yeah, other yeah. way. <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't that way. It might be easier to solve. Yeah, I mean that but, one yeah. that would attract a lot of attention, right? And it would be like you can't, you know, have customers sitting here in the dark, right? But actually, it's a, it's a good good example. If it was that way, it would be fixed, right? First time failure fixed. The other way around, it could go unnoticed for months. Maybe years, right, for for it, it get amended, and that's I suppose where our our focus, our priority needs to, to to shift somewhat. Not saying that we shouldn't focus on customers, but we also need to focus on on the environment as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that kind of segues us into next year, doesn't it? So those challenges are going to remain, aren't they, in the short term? Like I said. Yeah. If Christmas if Christmas sales are poor and people do batten down the hatches, energy just becomes overbearing. Am I left with a lot of stock that I've then got to distribute out, selling the sale, yeah. a massive margin hit? Plus, everyone's going to be thinking about new budgets, aren't they? Whether they are now for next year or if your year starts in February or April or whenever it does, everybody's going to be thinking, you know, where are the slam dunks? Where can we get off the hamster wheel and do something mm. differently? where are the odd risky three-pointers that I might go for? Because yeah, you know, one thing's for sure, isn't it, that people are going to be strapped for cash in January and February. They always are. And maybe 2023, it's even slightly more acute yeah, than normal. Yeah, particularly
0: with, obviously, electricity bills and gas bills coming through at that time. Obviously, the cost of Christmas is expensive for everyone's pocket. But from a, a retail business's perspective, there's a big unknown around around. Christmas performance in my mind because of the different trading strategies and tactics that could be employed and how responsive and reactive you are to your competitors and the wider market. So I think that's a big unknown, if I'm honest. (laughs) All all bets are off there from my perspective. And that leads to lots of unknowns going into next year. You know, what's the level of stock that you're going to have? Are you going to need to do some big clearance event in January if you've held off and had poor sales? Or actually, have you managed to trade quite successfully through and you're on plan? And what are you going to do? Are you going to be able to bring stock forward? We've still got supply chain challenges that exist within the world, but also supply chain risks that exist, you know, inspired particularly by Ukraine. And goodness knows what other crazy events will follow through in 2023 as well, of course. And I think as you think about those new budgets, you know, is it going to be the fact that your your budget is going to be extremely challenging on sales and extremely challenging on costs? For me, all indications point to, yes, you're going to get both of those challenges. So how are you going to grow or minimize the shrinkage of the business from the, from the top line? And how are you going to secure the bottom line through effective cost management, through productivity options, through streamlining different parts of the business perhaps through trimming different parts of the business as well, of course. And I think that means there's lots of known unknowns, as we've spoken about already, and definitely lots to be thinking about with regard to driving productivity and driving transformation. Simon, anything else in store for 2023?
1: Well, we're going to do it again. So productivity and transformation 2023 is work in progress. I think We can say it's going to be roughly around the same date. So all that will be communicated out hopefully in the next couple of weeks so we can get it locked in people's diaries and uh, build up a good agenda for the next session.
0: Absolutely. Well, the feedback from the event was fantastic. And that has driven that decision, right? That productivity and transformation will continue to 2023. And that's incredibly exciting from my point of view. So yeah, looking forward. Yep, watch this space as they say. Well, Simon, thank you so much. It's been fantastic, as I say, building up the inaugural productivity and transformation event, but also for, for catching up regularly here on the podcast. It's been one of many wonderful conversations with you over the past few months, for sure.
1: No, it's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, look forward to, to future chats. Thanks, Simon. Take care, Ali.
0: Fantastic conversation with Simon, as always. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your reflections. Feel free to reach out on LinkedIn or via email. You can get my email on the show notes at obandco.uk208. Now, as always, I like to give you some additional suggestions for other episodes of the podcast to go back and tune into. And today I've got three for you. So first up, check out episode 204 of the Retail Transformation Show, where I was reflecting on the event and shared three takeaways from productivity and transformation 2022. Also check out the Rethink Productivity podcast, where Simon has shared his reflections from the event as well. So I'll pop that link on the show notes for you too. In addition, check out the previous episode, episode 207, I made a reference to it earlier on and that is an episode called Is Retail Transformation Failing at Present? Where change capacity was just one of the topics that I explored right there. And then finally, Simon and I always have a great conversation and I wanted to pick up episode 197 where Simon and I were together. We were talking about the Great Retail Acronym Challenge. So if you've not heard that one and you fancy a light-hearted episode, perhaps a little bit of an opportunity to pat your own back <laughs> about how much you know about retail then check out that one episode 197 so a few great episodes there to check out head over to obandcouk slash 208 to get the links and references to all of those episodes and otherwise i'll look forward to joining you on another episode of the retail transformation show coming at you very soon bye for now